through this. You know, it's tough. No one likes losing. It's time for Blackhawk 720, your insider key to the Hawks. And the United Center is up for grabs! Take the Blackhawks to go. Blackhawks 720, the only Hawks podcast worth listening to. Now, here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand, podcast royalty. Hi again, everyone. It's Monday, and you know what that usually means here. We have kind of fallen into a pattern here on the Blackhawks 720 podcast. Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio for all Blackhawks games, along with Blackhawks reporter Joe Brand, the voice of the Kane County Cougars as well. Maybe we'll touch on that a little bit towards the end of the podcast, because there is Kane County news. But this is all about uh, the Blackhawks. And uh, Joe, where we left off last week, um, they've played three games since, and the narrative and the theme kind of continues. They end up getting five out of a possible six points, uh, just a shootout away from sweeping two games from Carolina, and then uh, going into Dallas on Sunday and uh, taking on a team that had been on a roll, at least at home. They kind of hit a couple of speed bumps on the road. And uh, granted, not at 100%, but neither are the Blackhawks. And the they continue playing the way they have established here since the first week of the season. And here they are with a 5-1-4 and four record in their last 10 games. And you can kind of feel the excitement and the, and the good vibrations building around this team. Well, last week we were talking about two tough opponents and two possibly, if not probably, Stanley Cup contenders. And here we are with six possible points that the Blackhawks could have gained, and they get four of them. And it's it's so interesting how you know, we talk about this as a hard-efforted hard team, as you mentioned, a, uh, a blue-collar team. And that's what some of these guys are saying. I mean, Alex Debrinkett, who we'll hear from later on, even says the term... You know, we don't have the most skilled team in the locker room, but but we all work hard. And I don't think you can say that. You can get away with saying that about your team in terms of with your other teammates if you're not having the season you're having right now. They have that mentality. They have that identity. And everyone's okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Blackhawks fans should be, too, because of what this team is able to do with so many injuries and with so many people from you know the core not being here right now. And it's... Like you said, it's exciting, it's interesting, and I just really want to see how long this can continue. If Even if this next game coming up against Dallas doesn't go their way, that's that's four points out of an eight possible against two very good teams, and I think we all would have been okay with that. Um, but I think the also other interesting thing that's going to happen is you're going to start seeing these teams a lot now. I mean, it's just like... All right, let's re-rack all the opponents after mm-hmm. the Dallas yeah. series because it's it's Columbus again and it's Detroit again and I mean they've shown they could play with anybody in terms of that so far but um, I, I think that will be interesting moving forward to see how the other teams adjust to the Blackhawks because this is a very different Blackhawks team we're seeing and this is the uh, I mentioned this in the pregame show and it just dawned on me on on Sunday that yeah this is their sixth series so far of the young season and they. Uh, I'm sorry, their seventh series of the young season, and they have played each of the teams within their division exactly once. So now you get a look at them, whether that ends up benefiting the Blackhawks and their coaching staff or the opponents. There's going to be some give and take. So um, now you get to see these teams a little bit more frequently. And I, I, I had a, a, a chat with, with uh, Stan Bowman, me and some some other people in the media, um, uh, just, just casual, and I asked him, about Jeremy having this same narrative about the way he's wanted his team to play ever since day one when he took over in November of 2018. 18, yep. And his message has been consistent with the way he wants his teams to play. And they haven't found that until now this season, until these last three weeks or so. And I asked Dan, well, what's the reason for that? He, he hasn't changed his approach or his mindset. Why is it suddenly clicking? And he said, it's a good question. I don't know if I have an exact answer for it, but the fact of the matter is is that there's a lot of young players on this team and there's a lot of new players on this team, You know, veterans who, who haven't been here. Uh, and you combine that with the mix of some uh, of the guys who have been around. He said, it's not a criticism against the veterans who were here when Jeremy first arrived, but they had developed into certain habits within a certain system, and it took them a while to adjust and it was never quite a full adjustment over the course of the last two seasons and now you only have a couple of guys who have been around in the Joel Quenville era and 
you know, uh, it's a bit sad to a certain extent, but by the same token, this new influx of fresh blood, fresh minds, and hungry players into a new roster, they're more prone to listen to their coach and do exactly what he says and not tied to old habits. And that was a very interesting answer. And, and you know, I, I think that's probably as good a reason as any, as all of a sudden now you are seeing Jeremy Colleton's stamp on this team and it's executing the way he wants and envisions for, for success. Uh, even though the superstar quotient isn't nearly as high as it was you know, four or five years ago, or even when Jeremy took over three Novembers ago. Well, you you know, you use the word sad, and, and I get it because it's it's like moving on from all the, the three, glory, the, yeah, the three cups, the three cups, and and all the joy that that the city had when the Blackhawks were riding high. But at some point, it becomes necessary for a change, right? And you know, whether or not fans agree that the way that Joel Quinville was exited and, and the timing of it might not be in their best favor, but. But it was necessary at some point, and now is possibly the time that it's all finally turning the page. And this isn't to say the Blackhawks are winning because Jonathan Taves and Brent Seabrook and Corey Crawford aren't here, but you're absolutely right. It, it changes so much because when, when Jeremy Colleton comes into the Blackhawks organization, and I mean at the NHL level, I know he was in Rockford, but it's, it's almost like, okay, what are we doing? You know, How are we doing this? Here's what I can bring to the table. And, and I know it's not... That, that's a light way to put it, and I'm not trivializing an NHL head coaching position, but that's kind of what's going on because this is an already successful team that has past experience and, and so much success in the past, and now Jeremy Colleton comes into the picture and he shows what he can present. Now it's an issue of Jeremy Colleton is running the team this way and all these new guys are coming in and, are, okay, what do I need to do to fit this puzzle piece? What do I need to do to to make this a well-oiled machine? And now these veteran guys like Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith are just feeding off the resurgence of all these yeah, young guys are. that are that are excited to be part of this whole new process. And and it, it's just a new way to be incorporated. And <laughs> I loved how in the pregame show how amped up Troy was about what Patrick Kane had said, mm-hmm. saying you know oh these guys are all working hard. That's something I can do. Like that's Patrick Kane saying yeah. oh these young kids are teaching me something or or rather reinstilling a part of my game that that maybe was not so much lost but just not always focused on as much as it used to be so i I think that's it's just all working out so well as of right now for everybody because it's something new for everybody and it's allowing everybody to succeed in their best way and again it's because so much is asked upon these young players and they're given so much more of a responsibility. And it's it's fun to see Jeremy Colleton, you know, when they ask about Brandon Hagel or Pia Suter or Philip Kurashev, he's like, well, I feel confident in putting him in these situations. Yeah. So that, that helps them grow and, and helps them emotionally grow. And, and it's it's just a hand-in-hand uh, contribution for each other. And, and right now it's working. So it, it'll be interesting to see how long this hard-nosed mentality can keep going. Patrick Kane, uh, yeah, the other day talking about... Uh you know, buying into the work ethic. You know, he he was. It almost seems like as as he was speaking with reporters, it dawned on him uh, what a blue collar, hardworking team this has become. And he sounded a little bit excited about, it, even though Patrick is his. He he speaks well, but he, he's kind of monotone. You don't necessarily see the excitement that he brings to the ice, or hear the excitement that he brings to the ice sometimes when he's speaking with reporters. And he's still a very good, very good interview, very thoughtful and whatnot. And by the way, uh, as we record here on Monday afternoon, just before we started, it was announced that Patrick Kane was named the NHL's number two star of the week. All he has done during a five-game point streak is have three goals and uh, seven assists. Um, granted, that five-game point streak started a little bit before he the the week the uh, the week in which he got the number two star but uh, that included the four-point game against Carolina and, and before we hear from Alex to bring it another guy who is uh, raving about uh, the way the team has accepted um, Jeremy's mantra uh, if you will um, I thought it was Troy and I talked about this on the post game this Dallas team and even the Carolina team, they are hard teams to play against. They have size. Uh, they want to they wanna battle you and play physically. And I thought for the most part, more so in Sunday's game against Dallas than it was against Carolina because Carolina had some long stretches during those two games where they tilted the ice a bit. But we didn't see that against Dallas. You know, Dallas, for, for uh, what their blueprint is, 
the Blackhawks were right there in terms of being hard to play against, winning puck battles. Um, you didn't see, you know, the ice tilted for very long stretches of time down in the Blackhawk zone, and I think I think that's pretty much, you know, um, the exclamation point with how this team is playing. Because if you go up team, against teams like Carolina and Dallas, who have made some sizable playoff runs over the course of the last two or three postseasons, and to hang with them, um, and there's not quite the roster on the Blackhawks side that you see on Carolina's or Dallas's side. That's really impressive. Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, they'll put the hard hat and bring the lunch pail and, and be willing to work with anybody. And that's going to take them, that's going to take them a long way. How long it is, whether they stay in this fourth position on Monday afternoon that we see them in, in the division, I don't know. They have games in hand right now. They've been fortunate enough not to have any games knocked out by COVID like so many others have within their division and around the league. So that may catch up with them. But, um, yeah, there's a certain there's a certain confidence now brimming inside that room, I think, even though we don't have access to it, unfortunately. I think so, too. And I think the, the thing that speaks most volume is how these other teams – are leaving after they play the Blackhawks. I mean, Carolina sounded like a very defeated team. Mm. I was looking at some of the beat reporters over for the Hurricanes, and and they were complaining about their power play and their penalty kill (laughs) and and just everything. And they said, you know, we didn't deserve to to take how many points we did from this two-game series because we didn't deserve to win. And, I mean, that's a Blackhawks team making this team feel like that. And I know it's just one game against Dallas, but I'm sure they weren't thrilled about their play against the Hawks on Sunday afternoon. So... Um, that's another thing to keep an eye out for Dallas's response in Game Two. Like, I, I wonder if one of these teams are going to be like, "Okay, we're playing the Blackhawks. We came into this series knowing that we are we have the edge. We we are the better team. Now let's act like it." But it, it's so many things working. It's I, the transition in the neutral zone looks better. Obviously, the goaltending is something that needs to be talked about, and we will after we hear from Alex Dabrinkit. But it's it's people buying into system. It's it's guys not giving up on puck battles, and it's it's guys trusting in their game offensively. I mean, we're seeing uh, Brandon Hagel going on, on a breakaway chance. It, Lots of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 really it's a really cool thing to see because it's like team mentality first. Let's let's work with the structure that we built. And then when we have the opportunity to showcase our skills, then we'll go into it. And, and just really quickly, the overtime win I think is huge for this team too because mm-hmm. in years past it was always, all right, let's just get to overtime because you, you guarantee a point and the Blackhawks have so many skilled players, they're definitely the team at the advantage yeah. in either overtime or shootout. Now that hasn't happened, but then you got to see it on, on the beautiful tic-tac-toe uh, with the game-winning goal. So they still have that offensive flair. It's it's a little bit limited now because uh, of players that they're missing, but the, the Dominic Kubeliks, the Patrick Canes, the Alex Debrinkets, and it looks like that Alex Debrink of Alex Debrinket of old, offensively at least, is there. So it's it's cool to see that they still have that off- offensive flair along with this just general ingenuity of, of playing hard. Yeah, and uh, as we uh, record for a third straight week from uh, Joe's Pilsen pad here, <laughs> you said this was formerly a, a uh, meat storage or a cold storage uh, building? Yeah, I think okay. I think they kept the meat cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so since we're in the st- oh, and, and we left the door open because we are going to hear from Alex Debrinkin and who walks in right now? Uh, I wish, wish we had a video of this, but Plankton, uh, Joe's uh, black one-eyed cat here. Uh, as we begin speaking about Alex Debrinkin, rolls on the ground is probably going to bite me here yeah. really soon. But um, hey. but uh, <laughs> don't worry. If I let out a scream, we'll know. But uh, he wants to hear from the cat, too, and talk about the cat. So Alex Debrinkit, all he has done since returning from COVID in three games, four goals, two assists, and six points. He has scored the Blackhawks' last four goals, finishing up the victory against Carolina with two, and then both goals on Sunday. So uh, here, let's hear from uh, Alex after Sunday's win, and you will hear him speak about the, the belief and the buy-in that this team has right now, as he did a couple of nights ago after the Carolina win. Also, um, given stick taps to the goalies of late, in the last nine games, the Blackhawks and their defense has allowed just 18 goals. When you think about 20 over the first four, that's something uh, really impressive. Uh, what he refocused on during the offseason after kind of a snake-bitten year last year, but here he begins talking about his hot hand since returning from COVID protocol. It's awesome. I think everyone's having fun out there. Um, it's good to be back with the guys, and you know we're, we're just having a good time. 
Alex, seems like we ask this almost every game now, but what can you say about the goaltending that everybody says was going to be, you know, the, the, the weak spot of this team? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they've been huge. Um, obviously Subi had a few uh, unbelievable saves there in the third, kept a one, uh, one game and, you know, we were able to get it in overtime. So, um, I've said this before, but um, they're giving us a chance to win every game, and um, that's all we can ask for. We're, we're really battling hard and getting points. All season, it kind of looks like you've come into the season with something like you have something to prove. I mean, would you say that's accurate? Did, I'm just curious if last year kind of weighed on you a little bit? Yeah, I mean, last year was uh, tough. I try to forget about it, um, you know, going into the season. Obviously, it's a new start. Got a lot of work done in the summer and um you know it was really focusing on my game so i think the way the team's been playing lately it just makes it easier on me as well um you know we're, we're playing hard everyone's buying into the system and um you know it just makes it easy on everyone we know where each other's going to be we're, we're, we're pretty predictable and you know it, it's worked out well for us did you work on anything specifically or did you just take the mindset that you're going to come in and maybe shoot a little bit more this year yeah, I mean, I worked on a, a lot of different things. Um, shooting w- was a big priority for me. Um, try to shoot pucks every day, just work on that, put in, put in it where I want. And, um, you know, I don't know if any of my goals this year I've needed to, to put it where I want, but um, it, it's nice I'm finding the areas, um, back door uh, or in the slot. It's, uh, you know, it's been nice. How nice is it to, to get this uh, win in overtime when you guys have just kind of had hard luck in the extra periods? Yeah, it, it's huge. Um, like I said before, I mean, anytime you can get um, an extra point on a team, um, it really helps out in the standings. Uh, like you said, we, we've struggled in overtime and shootout um, the past few games, and um, it, it's definitely nice to get the first one under us, and, and we can go on from there. Do, do you think the outside hockey world has kind of underestimated this team if you look at it in the general view? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, I've said this before, we, we've had uh, maybe not the most skilled team, but everyone in the locker room works real hard. We bought into the system. You know, Jeremy's been great with us this year, whether it's clips or um, just team meetings and, and telling us exactly what he wants. And um, I think we've done a good job of executing that and staying in each game and giving ourselves a chance to win. The three games since you came back from the, the time on the COVID list, you have four goals, two assists, 17 shots on goal. Did you learn something in the, during that week away that, that's made you have such a sort of incredible streak here? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's honestly, it's, uh, it's, it's different watching um, the team on TV. You see some things, but um, I think for the most part, I was just, uh, you know, super excited to come back. Um, obviously, it sucks sitting out and, um, you know, I was just ready to go from the start and, um, you know, super excited to be back with the guys. Do you feel like there's something in particular that's led to the success the past three games? Um, I mean, I think our whole team's been playing well. You know, a few of my goals have just been, you know, right place, right time. You know, I I think my line mates are making it real easy on me, whether it's on the PP or or, or just five on five. I'm able to to find those spots and um, get in the right spot to score. Hey Alex, uh, Jeremy was talking about before the game about how far your your two way plays come. What I don't where where have you put in that work, and what, what you know what differences have you made defensively over the last few years? Starting last year was a, a big thing I wanted to do, and I think um, you know obviously last year wasn't the best uh, season statistically for me, but I think I, I did grow as a player, um, learned to play that two way game, and. Um, maybe it just wasn't going right for me then, but um, I, I feel like I've done a pretty good job of playing in my own zone and um, creating offense in the same way. So um, he, he, Jeremy's taught me a lot in, in that um, aspect of the game. And obviously going forward, I want to be a, a two-way player. I want to play all situations and be a player that um, he can put out and trust at any, at any time in the game. So there, once again, Alex Brinkett talking about uh, the buy-in that this team suddenly uh, has and how everyone's kind of on the same page there. And it's it's not even more evident than the special teams and particularly the power play. That was such a big narrative going into the series against Dallas, which was going at 40%, first in the league, and then the Blackhawks are third in the league at almost, uh, just about 38%. They're the team that comes away with the very important power play goal, as it turns out in the end, in that Sunday game against Dallas. It was the Cat, of course, who scored that. As, um, he's getting in a real comfort zone there, right between the left circle and the crease. You're starting to find him score goals more and more. Now, 
uh, opponents will scout that and adjust to that eventually. But he and Dylan Strom really have something going on that uh, cross-crease pass from one side to the other. And so the special teams come through one for four on Sunday, and then they shut down Dallas in, in their uh, three opportunities, I believe it was. Uh, they have killed off 11 in a row. So um, th- that power play clicking as much as it has, as they've scored now 11 times in 11 of the 13 games so far, um, as Troy and I were talking about, that just feeds off of your your offensive guys, you know, their confidence, and you hope that carries into five-on-five play a little bit more because uh, – I can't remember any time, you know, I know what happened during my lifetime, but I cannot remember, probably because it's been so long, I can't remember any time the way the power play has just, you know, when the Hawks get an opportunity, you kind of lean forward and yeah. saying, okay, okay, let's expect something good to happen here. Uh, well, again, it's it's that contagious attitude. It's uh, that ability to, <laughs> to not so much turn it on as, as Plankton is mauling Chris <laughs> Bowden's hand right now. Jeez. Um, Talk more about the cat specifically. <laughs> um, but again, it's it's they're not so much relying on it, but once once it comes into a power play situation, they realize, okay, like here is an opportunity for us to obviously score a goal, but but just get back to this fundamental of of creating an offensive rhythm, and because that is working this year, that that contagiousness just continues. And like you said, hopefully it does bleed into the five on five play. But I think the the biggest part of it is even if they don't they don't score a goal, it still looks good. It still looks like a well oiled machine. It's not this whole shoot the puck, shoot the puck when people are hanging on to it for too long or looking for that perfect pass. And it just, again, it shines more light on why this can be a very good team when you have solid goaltending and a good power play and then just an offense and a defense that works hard enough on five on five. And those are all recipes for for a great team. And it's just, it's shocking to see it on this roster, which I think is exceeding a lot of people's expectations. But if if the power play can continue like this, just just fundamentally, and again, even if they don't execute, but they they still put together, like you said, that whole leaning forward uh, atmosphere, then it's it's only going to do good things for the offense overall moving forward. Jeremy's uh, never the one to sit there, and uh, he's not going to be the one who takes the bow now that uh, his team is finally playing the way uh, it has, and probably... Um, proving a lot of doubters wrong, and that's one of the topics that he discusses here and is asked about following the the victory Sunday against the Dallas Stars. And among the other topics, you know, Brandon Hagel having three breakaways in the course of the past two games, still believing very much in this kid who uh, isn't prone, wouldn't isn't likely to let those things affect the rest of his game. Also talks about Debrinket's return, what he's been able to do in these three games. Malcolm Subban doing his job. Two and playing for just the second time in two weeks and having another solid effort, and we'll hear from Malkin in a little bit as well. But uh, he begins his comments on with a kind of an opening statement about the collective effort, um, really doing a good job against a very elite team in the Dallas Stars, and how this team continues to uh, rally around him and do things right as they continue to get results this season. There, there's no better feeling than winning, and uh, you know that that. After a two-one game where you you do everything you can uh, as a group to to you know protect the guys you're playing with and and then uh, you by doing that you you give the guy next to you a chance to come through and make a play and so when you do that there's uh, for me my experience that's the best feeling you can have so um, I'm I love it when they can have it and obviously you know we're we're part of it, but it's ultimately the players are the ones who are paying the price and making the plays and the work ethic away from the puck and the skating. Like it's hard, but uh, my point would be it's worth it because there's nothing better than winning. So, um, you know, hopefully we're, it's good to see we're being rewarded for the work ethic we have and uh, recognizing that we got to keep getting better if we want to continue on here. Coming on Alex's game, um, I guess all season, just um, do you see a totally different level than he was at last year, or is it just the pucks are kind of going in for him a little bit more? He seemed like he he's maybe had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder coming into this year. Yeah, maybe. I think overall, like his his habits and the details and the work ethic, uh, it was there last year. Um, they just weren't going in, but at the same time, when the pucks do go in for you, uh, it gives you a confidence and a jump and an energy, and you can kind of play a little more free. Uh, with more joy and uh, that's going to make you better so I'm 
happy for him. Uh, he's, he's a really important player for us, and we missed him while he was gone. Great to have him back. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep challenging him to, to do more because he he can be an elite player in the league. Uh, you know, he's maybe maybe you could say he is already, but uh, we, we just think he's there's so much there. So uh, happy that he's getting some success. Jeremy, I know we've uh, asked you before about some of the outside opinions about the goalies, but uh, what do you take away from Subban's night tonight? Yeah, he was great. I mean, he uh, it's tough when you don't play that much. Um, you really got to find a way to get your head around that it's not life or death, <laughs> whether you uh, you know let in a goal or, or whatever, because it's too much pressure. Uh, but I think he came in, he was composed, he made some big saves for us. Uh, we didn't give up a ton of chances, but uh, he made some big saves. And you can see the confidence that our guys uh, have in him now. It's a couple games in a row where he's been really solid. And, uh, you know, that credit to him because it's it's not easy to prepare yourself uh, when you're not playing and to jump in. And uh, he, he helped us, a big, big part of us getting two points tonight. Uh, it seems like we've asked you before uh, if the previous game was a statement game and now, you know, you hand the Stars their first home loss. Uh, did the guys take in at all that, you know, they might have been, you know, uh, underestimated by outside voices? Yeah, we know. <laughs> we we know what's been said about our group, of course. And uh, you would be only human to have a bit of a chip on your shoulder about it. But uh ultimately like statement game it's like to me this is this this is us and uh we're gonna do it again on tuesday so we're gonna enjoy this one uh we'll we'll look at it we'll talk about it tomorrow we'll practice we'll get better and then uh we gotta do it again and to me that's that if you want to show we want to show this is our normal level and and that we're going to get better and i i fully believe uh you've heard me say it before we're going to get better as the year goes on uh, and I expect it, and that that should be uh, everyone's goal. Uh, hey, Jeremy, just to get that OT win to kind of get that monkey off your back. Um, do you feel like that'll sort of help in, in future games when you are going down towards overtime? Yeah, that was big, and I, it's uh, there's a lot of new players here and a lot of young players, and we're kind of finding out who can do it and uh, just nice to use some different players. And we're trying to get a bit of a rotation going. Uh, I thought, you know, the, we, we've had better OTs as we go here, but we haven't won. And so, you know, our record could be better than it is uh, because you know, we haven't had, we haven't uh, had as much success in the OT and shootout as we'd like, but uh, tonight we found a way and now, we can we'll build on that, and I think that will help just a little more belief when we get to overtime that we're going to find a way to get it done. There in the third period, you guys had a shift, a back to back shift where you had the puck in their zone for almost two minutes. What's what's that mean in a game like this to, to be able to kind of stick them there? For that yeah, part? it's it's huge, and uh, we, we said it between periods. Uh, we can't sit back and defend for twenty minutes. We got to push. We got to be aggressive. We need to have zone time. You know. Would have loved to draw another penalty, um, and and so that's the way you got to play. And I think you know the camp line had a huge, you know, it was a long stretch there. We changed almost the full group um, to do that in the first and third periods. Is uh, shows you know the work ethic that we have, and uh, especially on the road, you need that against a team that's pushing to to sustain some zone time and it allows you to build momentum and gives your D a breather and, and you do, you, you draw a penalty, you score a goal and, and it could change the game. So uh, we need, we need more, we need to do it more often. Hey Jeremy, it feels like Brandon Hagel could have at least four or five goals. Um, how can you, or do you have to say anything to him and, and tell him to, to keep the confidence up it when, when it's not going in for him like that? Yeah. I mean, it's something you got to monitor for sure, but to me, you should feel ton of confidence by how I'm using him. Uh, I feel very comfortable playing him in any situation, any time of the game. Um, he's his work ethic, his skating. He's strong on the puck. He makes plays. Uh, it it really it's so big for our team to have a guy who can skate it, drive it deep, flip the ice, win battles, get pucks back, tremendous back, back pressure. Uh, so it'll come. He's I know he can score. I've seen him 
I've seen it uh, obviously in junior. He's had good numbers, and in American League, um, you know, he's produced. So it's not a lack of skill. I don't think he'll. Uh, he's impacting the game for us, and, and he'll break through. The players and and Jeremy said it. Uh, before the season even began while they were going through that rushed nine-day training camp. But yeah, they've heard the outside noise, and especially after the injuries and the illnesses that they have they have suffered, being counted out, people scoffing at the goaltending trio that, granted, is opportunity knocking for three guys who don't have that much NHL experience, and uh, just being counted out. And uh, when you look up and down the roster, yeah, uh, you, you can understand how people might rush to that conclusion. But I think this further proves kind of, uh, you know, the the internal energy and the internal chip on the shoulder that this team has. And now that they're getting the results and winning, I think that chip's going to get even, even bigger and bigger as time goes on. Well, I mean, you're not expecting a head coach to just come out, come out to the press conference and say, "Well, I told you so," and <laughs> and here's why we're we're all working. But again, it it just goes back to what Alex Brinkett said, saying these guys in the locker room aren't the most talented, but we sure will work hard. It's it's not. It's just. It, it, it's interesting to hear a player say that because you're kind of saying our players aren't that good. You're kind of saying that, and it's not that you don't have confidence in it or anything, but they just know it doesn't have the star power that it did before. But they use that to be their identity to let's show these other teams and the whole NHL and fans everywhere that we can be we can be a good team just by working hard and by following the same type of system and I think it speaks volume too to hear both Alex Dabrinkit and Patrick Kane to say we've bought into the system mm-hmm. because that that's almost saying like well that may have been an issue before and it's not the case right now and that's clearly being shown so I, I think those are two very significant quotes by both those players because it, it just means so much about where this team is at and and where they can come together and move forward with. Um, but I also think it's it's noble of Jeremy Colleton to just stay pretty much in check right yeah, now. Yeah, he has to. He it's has it's to. only 13 games, yeah. and I think he understands. And honestly, I... I think he just he wants to see more more little improvements in in different avenues. Like yeah, this this should be the standard. You know, mm-hmm. this should just be where the team is at by by just decisions of going hard in puck battles in the corner and and following along with the offensive uh, identity of, of transitioning and, and moving into the zone, and then all the flair and the stellar passes and, and highlight real goals will come after that, which is what can make up a good team. And I think I think Jeremy's pleased with that, and he wants to see it go it, it, that standard just stay in check, and then everything else move forward from there on out. He's been consistently saying as well that we need to keep improving. Yeah, so. Um, he's sticking that carrot out in front of his players, but you know, uh, uh, circling back, I think another aspect of this is these players finally looked at the roster too and said, "Man, well, we don't have you know a whole lot of experience. We don't have the superstar power we had before. Maybe we do need to listen to him because Jeremy has told them consistently if we're going to be successful." You know, these are the building blocks that you have to use in order to uh, get any type of success or results. And now that they are seeing that and feeling it, you would think that's just going to continue to build upon each other. And, and again, we're not saying this team is going to make a run to the Stanley Cup, but we're just talking about the the steps involved in in growth this season. And, and that's what this season is all about in, in growth. Um, let's hear from Malcolm Subban because you know he really needs some props after that opening night game uh, against Tampa Bay, in which, let's face it, the, the entire first week everyone was on their heels. Um, there were so many new faces on this team, so much was thrown together. Um, you had some inexperience in net, and when you put all those things together, especially going up against the defending Stanley Cup champions, it ain't going to look pretty, and it certainly didn't early on. Uh, and Malcolm was in the net for that opener, but then he comes back a couple of weeks later, has a real solid game in Nashville in which he stops 36 of 39 shots, and he comes back after almost two weeks again and stops 30 of 31 in the victory against Dallas to get his first Blackhawks win. And um, so in his uh, give and take uh, with reporters via Zoom after that 2-1 victory in Dallas, not as long as we heard from Alex or Jeremy a little bit earlier in the podcast, but he talks about uh, really making the best of the backup role, which he is very used to throughout his career, 
and putting that time to use, treating practices like games. It's pretty interesting stuff you'll hear from Malcolm here. And also um, how, how the goalies, you know, um, have kind of heard the noise about their talent level or what the expectations are of them and putting that to use, but still believing in themselves and never quite believing what they were hearing on the outside. But he begins here talking about uh, returning and delivering as key a performance as any in that victory against Dallas. Oh, yeah, it was great. Obviously, uh, you know, exciting to get my first win uh, for the Hawks here. And um, yeah, overall, it was a great game, uh, great win in exciting fashion, you know, so it was good. Is there anything you took away from your, your previous start um, to, to this one? Is there anything you worked on specifically over the last two weeks? Um, uh, same thing, just post-play and, uh, you know, adapt to the, ma- the main uh, biggest things probably we've been working on. So I uh, just kept working on that and uh, working hard, just getting ready for my next opportunity. What's it like for you when you are sitting and not watching, I mean, not playing the game and you're watching, how, how do you – use that time to observe and try to figure out what you're going to do with your next start like you did for today? Um, I mean, you just take it day by day. I mean, obviously you don't want to overthink it too much. And, um, you know, it's great to still to be around the guys and everything. And then obviously, uh, you know, just take your practices as games. I think that's the thing that I've built on uh, the most of my pro career is when you're not playing too much, you know, you got to treat your practices like your games and, um, you know, play every, uh, um, situation and practice that you would in a game so um i like doing the game situation drills and stuff it's great and you know having competitions and practice with the guys on shots you know keeps everyone uh you know focused and uh you know competition that you know make sure everyone's you know going as hard as they can and stuff so i just try and uh, do that just focus on treating my practices like games and just getting ready for my uh, next opportunity i don't know how much you guys and um, the goalie room pay attention to like some of the preseason talk about you know you guys possibly being a a liability you know do you guys pay any attention to that is this kind of uh thumbing your noses you know the way that all of you have played um well you know like i said before the season started you know we're 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 out here trying to prove people wrong and um you know the culture of our team you know the work that work i think that we put in we want to try and outwork teams and how that goes a long way in this league Uh, i think uh you know uh it's hard to you know, have a lot of success without hard work. So uh, I think it starts from 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 there with our team uh, every day in practice and stuff, and leading up to the season, and and now it's uh, paying off. So um, you know, it's it's great for a great confidence builder for us, and uh, especially you know we got a lot of young guys here, and you know that's not a um, easy team to play, especially in their building. So um, you know, hopefully we can build off this and uh, keep it going. So thirteen games played total. Uh, we knew what happened in the first four: five goals each. In the last nine games. Kevin Lankinen and Malcolm Subban have combined for a 941 save percentage. Uh, in the last nine games at even strength, Kevin Lankinen and Malcolm Subban have combined for a 971 save percentage. Uh, that helps your overall game. The, the fact that the team is structured better defensively in front of them, that's one part of that, but, but just as much a part. They're, while they're helping the goalies out, the goalies are also helping the guys out front. And... Uh, that certainly helps the belief. I think we mentioned this last week when we were discussing Kevin Lankin. That helps the belief with the other five guys on the ice when you know you can trust that last line of defense. I also think the biggest thing is is Malcolm Subban had a great game on Sunday. It comes off of his last great game, and his last start was, what, January 26th, I want to say? Yeah, it was the first game against Nashville. So that's, that's what, over a week? Mm-hmm. That's over a week of just waiting? I mean, that's not an easy thing to do for a guy like Malcolm Subban in the situation he's been put in this year. Um, so I, I think that's that's a, a great sign that he's uh, maybe a backup or a 1B that you can rely on. Obviously, Kevin Lankinen's the guy to go with right now. But I think some eyebrows were raised, like, why, why Subban? You know, you had two off days. Why not Lankinen again on, uh, against Dallas? I think it'd be a, a perfect opportunity to keep him rolling. But then Malcolm Subban came in and did his job. And I, I almost... I almost like the goal he gave up because he had such a great game, and then he he gives up that kind of flukyish goal. Mm. It, so it, it's almost like a character builder, you know? Yeah, it's, it's either here we go again, this is going to be deflating, and let's pop the balloon, or 
you know, you stick your blades in the in the ice and, yeah. and you know have a little bit more resolve. Yeah, it's it's like a humility, uh, humble check. You know, it's like oh, I'm riding high, but then this stupid thing goes in, and and they end up rolling with it. And again, I think it goes back, or it, it also adds to the fact that he performed well in overtime, and the Blackhawks win that game in overtime. And also, you see after the game, I, I mean, I know, like you just said, the game's over, and you're kind of scrambling to get ready for the post game show. But Colin Delia is like right off the bench, and he's got a huge smile yeah. and a big hug for Mal. Subban. I thought that was kind of cool too because Delia is like the third guy of this whole situation all of a sudden and uh, that, that just shows me that there's a lot of chemistry in this locker room right now and a lot of good vibes going on so that that's definitely a plus that's definitely a, a benefit and I think it's just it creates more team unity when you see things like that and it's not players being upset that they're their counterparts are doing better than them and possibly beating them out for playing time or a roster spot, but it's it's they're thrilled that their teammate did something to help the team win. I, again, I think it's just something, just one little thing I noticed that maybe is a, a good resemblance of what's going on in that locker room. And the coaching decisions by Jeremy and, and Jimmy Waite to kind of go against the grain. When they brought Malcolm in, there was a day off. Lincoln had started getting on a roll. In the in this in those two games against Detroit, started establishing himself, and then you had a day off, then back to backs against Nashville. Well, if he's on a roll, if you're going to go back to back and split him, why doesn't he start the first game? Right. Well, they they flip flop that and let Lankinen, you know, have an extra mental rest day or, or whatever, even though he may have been on the ice for practice in morning skates. Um, uh, give him a mental rest day first. Um, start Subin in that first one. That didn't backfire. And again, in this situation on Sunday, where you know eventually Subban was going to have to work his way in, um, and Lincoln had given up three and four goals against Carolina, but still looked good. Uh, but the fact that you know he had two days off, and you're going to give him another day where he doesn't even get in uniform, even though he did some work with Jimmy Waite the Sunday morning, apparently uh, before the game, not even getting him in uniform. And this, uh, you know, it, it's something smart in retrospect. It worked. Subban played well. He won the game. And the fact that, you know, you can't... We, we talked before the season about how important goaltending for every team was going to be with this 56-game schedule. And I think in the Blackhawks' case, seven back-to-back. Some teams have even more. Uh, and then to bring in someone who has never... Exp- has handled the NHL level well as a rookie and has been very calm and very impressive about it. But still, um, are you going to run Kevin Lankinen out there for the... You know, remaining forty games. No, you're you're not going to do that, and you're going to have to pick your spots where he's going to have to have a breather. And I think it's it's really interesting in both cases where when it was first announced a couple of hours before the game, it's going to be Subban and Lankin, and you know the hockey snobs everywhere go up. Oh, they're just going to give up this game, huh? Well, that that wasn't the case, and and you have right now a, a backup who's building his own confidence behind a starter who already has a ton of confidence and is playing well. And you also got to remember that. As good as Kevin Lankinen has has been the early going this year, that that probably will run out at some point. Yeah. Not not and not for good, but you know everybody is going to go through a, a rough stretch here or there. So you would like to have the guy that steps in for him or comes in mid game or anything to be as fresh as possible. So that, that rotation is going to have to continue and. And again, I, I mean it's it's a trio right now of goaltenders. One is definitely not running away with it, but leading the pack of of doing what needs to be done in in the crease. So it's it's interesting to see how Subban and Delia, who were mainly the two guys heading into this season, um, how they respond to that, how they adjust to that. And again, I, I think it's it's just a good pact that's going on with them right now because they're kind of all in the same situation, and and this is just such a, a unique opportunity for this entire Blackhawks team. I mean, that win on Sunday was just so fundamentally sound, and it's it, it, it's a it's a victory that came from good goaltending hard work, and then a little flair in overtime. I mean, that, that those are the makeups of a good team, once again. so it's, it's so, And it's so fun to see that that's what let this team win. It's not Dallas was off their game and, you know, the stars shined and mm-hmm. that was it. it, it it's a, an accumulation of so many different little things, and it's, it's cool to see that this is the Blackhawks team that's doing it right now. And uh, so we'll see how things... Fair against Dallas in the in the second of the back to back. They're expected to get Anton Hudobin back in net. Their their star from the Stanley Cup run who ran into a little disciplinary problem with his coach and 
he wasn't even suited up like Kevin Lincoln and wasn't suited up for different reasons. Um, and, you know, so we'll see how the second of the back-to-back works against Dallas, and then it's back home against Columbus again. We start seeing teams the third and fourth times. The Blue Jackets coming to town for games on Thursday and Saturday. And the Blackhawks, I think, are off on a bit of a road trip that begins in Detroit uh, early uh, next week. Um, in my mind, uh, the Blackhawks game, much more riveting and enticing than the other game that followed. <laughs> yeah, and and you know what? I love the structure of that, too. We had a nice little uh, pregame for the Super Bowl, nice. with a, a nice 2 o'clock puck drop. But, but yeah, how about it? Man, I, I was like, all right, this is, turned out to be a great sports day, and then just downhill after that. Yeah, I, I didn't expect it to be so uh, so one-sided, and uh, yeah, the old man does it again. So uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, prop, props to him for uh, switching teams, and in his very first year, uh, leading his new team to a Super Bowl, go figure, um, and uh, also off the uh, the hockey beat too. I understand that your team, the Kane County Cougars, is going to play again after sitting out all of last season, and there being some question over uh, where they were going to eventually land. It's it's great to hear that uh, minor league baseball uh, is making its way back too. Yeah, as we uh, peel back the curtain a little bit and and. Uh let it be known baseball is my my pride and joy that that's my number one sport um but yeah i I mean it's crazy to think uh the last time i called a baseball game uh was september of 2019 knock off that rust buddy yeah right uh headset sitting in the drawer right right to my right um but yeah, I uh, can't wait for that season to start. I've been the voice of the Kane County Cougars for seven years. I mean, as of right now, we've got a season. Now we've just got to figure out some things moving down uh, the pecking order of it. I, I don't know where broadcasting falls into that. I don't know what the schedule is going to look like in terms of the broadcasting side. But uh, the Kane County Cougars are now part of the American Association, which is an, an independent minor league baseball team. So we no longer feed an affiliated major league club, which which is a bummer. But, but we're just lucky to have games. Games and we're happy to have games. So it's uh, joining the likes of the Chicago Dogs, the Gary South Shore Railcats. There's a lot of lot of cool teams in this league. There's some in Canada, some in Texas, and uh, yeah, it's been announced. Opening day, May 18th, the Chicago Dogs visit the Kane County Cougars. Get so uh, a new. So all you all you uh, all, all you Blackhawk Crazy Podcast listeners. Uh, at the Can County Cougars on Twitter, uh, hashtag We Want Joe. Uh, we want Joe. We we want to hear Joe uh, for as many games as possible. So, well, uh, uh, yeah. Again, um, <laughs> get, got ahead of the ballpark this week and, and see what this season looks like. But uh, yeah, give give them a follow at Casey Cougars. They're uh, tell you what, if you've never been, it is a uh, wonderful way to take in a baseball game. Of course, like everything else, I don't know what fans are going to look like in 2021. Um, but as I've always said, it's that. It's that high school football atmosphere that you get in the summertime, and it's mm. all those communities coming together of Geneva, St. Charles, Aurora, and it's uh, it's a really, really good time. So if if fans are allowed at Kane County in 2021, and if you can make it out there, I highly, highly recommend it. Well, it's gra- it's gradually coming back. You know, we saw what the Super Bowl did. We, we saw fans in Dallas on Sunday. The, the Stars are one of the teams that allows a handful of fans to come in. Hopefully we get that here, you know, uh, in Chicago and the surrounding area for, for all the sports, and especially the outdoor ones, uh, at least uh, for the time being. And, um, you know, uh, we were talking during a game last week. I think one of the Ask Troy questions was what it's like, you know, doing games in an empty United Center. And it is weird. And you really miss it at those times when, you know, everyone would be screaming their lungs out during the national anthem or after the Blackhawks score a goal and Chelsea Daggers going. Um, it, it is really missed. So hopefully uh, all you guys can get involved and get out to some of the events uh, uh, as well soon. Uh, you mentioned uh, to follow the Kane County Cougars. Follow us. We haven't even discussed when our next podcast will be, whether it's next Sunday. I, I don't know what your schedule is, so we'll have to figure this out on the fly. But uh, after that uh, Saturday game against Columbus, the Blackhawks next Monday will be in Detroit to start a, a two-game series. So whether we come at you on Sunday or maybe between the uh, Monday and Wednesday Detroit games, we'll figure something out because uh want to keep uh, doing these because the team is so fun to watch right now. So follow us on Twitter. I'm at, at Bowden Tweets and Joe is at, at Joe underscore brand one. That's the number one. Also follow WGN Radio as well. And we encourage you, as always, to uh, 
uh, follow us and subscribe to us, and that way you will be able to have the podcast drop in your box whenever we have one available. Also encourage you to listen to Blackhawks Live, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Uh, every Monday night at 7, it's going to be exception next week, since the Hawks have a Monday game. We'll be on the air on Tuesday. But uh, it's great stuff, much fun with Nick Gizmondi and me. We always end up having a Blackhawks player or exec, and usually another alum or a minor leaguer or whatnot. So uh, that's on WGN Radio, usually every Monday night, 7 to 8. The exception being uh, next week, one of the exceptions this season being next week when it comes Tuesday. So, uh, big week ahead. Again, this is a fun team to watch right now. Who to thunk? We were all hoping, but who to thunk? And uh, now we get to see whether the steps continue to be taken. This is our theme this year the steps, the improvement, the progress continues to be taken against Dallas in game number two and then seeing a, a team for a second time for the first time. I remember our debut this year for this podcast heading into the season and we were talking about, oh yeah, you know, look look at the little things and look look for the improvements on certain players and, and things of that nature, but they, they've come out and they've been a very exciting, fun team to watch and I think I think guys like Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkit are just really pleased with what's going on too because, it's again, it's a whole new environment. It's a new opportunity for them to be leaders and uh, help teach these young guys and then just... Just find a new way to win hockey, and mm-hmm. I think it's uh, it's kind of a new, cool way to rejuvenate their whole hockey aspect of, of being in the NHL. I also want to make one more note. Uh, the person in charge of the audio at the United Center with the fan reaction sound is very, very good at their job. <laughs> no matter what, like if if it's a power play and it's a near goal, by the Hawks, there's that, oh, like on spot. It's not a two-second delay or anything like that. It doesn't sound a little bit off. I mean, they do a very, very good job with all of that. And I really want to know what it looks like. Is it just a big button board and, you know, your, your hands are hovering over the oh <laughs> yes. sound or the cheer sound? Don't hit the wrong one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like something that could be so easily slipped up. And they do a very good job. It, I can notice it on the TV broadcast when it's very seldom. I watch the TV broadcast, of course, because I'm typically listening. <laughs> To Troy and John, but um, but yeah, no. If if you're watching the game or listening to the game, and you just keep a, a, another ear out for that because I think it's really cool how how well they do that. Fake crowd noise operator. That's on the business card. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's probably uh, an added duty for for uh, the folks uh, Sergio's scoreboard crew that does such a fantastic job there. Uh, not to replace, not to replace those that we hope uh, are going to be out there oh, yeah. again uh, sometime yeah. soon. That there's no replicate. Still want the that. real thing, of course. Yes, exactly. Uh, thanks for listening once again, and uh, again, uh, we're having a lot of fun with this team, and hope you're having fun listening to us chat about it as well. Thanks to Plankton for his uh, for his uh, uh, cameo appearance here, feisty cameo appearance here. I don't know. And, I think he's working for a rival podcast. <laughs> he tried to delete our whole thing. Jumping yes, on the desk, yeah, true story like here. Let's see if you guys see see if you guys noticed at all. Um, the edit we were forced to make when when Plankton did jump on Joe's computer here, and and pause our conversation, we had to uh, reset. So, uh, luckily that like, was it. like Alex DeBrinket. Right now he's a little feisty. Wants to get in on the action and uh, be noticed, like like the the other cat is with the Blackhawks. So again, thanks for listening. Thanks to our producer Curtis Coke and Ernie Scatton as well, and uh, uh, we appreciate you coming by and uh, look forward to our next podcast. We will keep you posted when that comes your way sometime next weekend or early next week. Have fun watching the Blackhawks. We'll talk to you next week. How about that? He's won it. The Hawks win the Stanley Cup. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks 720 Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great.